Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you ought to, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom... Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We're talking... I mean, we'll talk abs too today, really. It's both abs and eagles. That's Megan. I'm Rudo. Uh, interesting times. What's old is new for the Colorado Eagles. A head coach previously returns in Schneekloff. We've already talked about that a little bit. Megan, you were up at the uh, the event yesterday for the Eagles. Got to talk to Schneekloff. Also, Chris McFarland, GM of the abs. And then uh, Ryan Bach as well, up with the Eagles. So, first of all, what are your impressions of the new, I say new coaching staff, new head coach, really? And, you know, I guess Connor Walchuk's there, too. It, they're different things. Absolutely. Well, and that's part of the discussion is there's a lot of changes. Yeah. Not just in players, but in personnel this yep. year, as well as, as things that have remained the same, like Branham and Schneekloth. But in looking at those things and seeing them in person last night together – the impression is different from what I had previously because I had talked to Schneekoff last season and I've yep. been around the team. But seeing Martin Lind and the way that he interacts with Bach and McFarland and Schneekoff, the community that has been described to me from Cronin when he described that this is a tribe, I always found that language curious because I'm obviously not in that room and seeing what they're doing in there. But sure. I could really see the community that exists between this organization on display at every level too. just even getting to talk with the new in arena reporter, Katie Florio and Reno Boyd, their video guy who's yep. been doing this for a long time. There's a lot of passion around the organization and it shows in Schneekloth as the new head coach. There's a little bit of humor that I got to see a side that I don't ordinarily see. <laughs> Martin Lind is hilarious, but that's where too you see the almost familial bond that exists between the personnel. And I think it's something that fans can get sentimental about and appreciate about the culture with the apps too. And I think having that kind of tight knit group at every level and For then sure. just translates to a better on ice product because I think the players feel more comfortable using them as a support system. And that was just kind of the big takeaway from yesterday was seeing how close all of these people in the organization are to one another. So we were, we were talking before the show and, and kind of where I wanted to start is sort of with Schneekloth because he obviously won championships with the Eagles in the ECHL has been around for a very, very long time now with this organization, but coming in as head coach of an AHL organization, what is the goal, I guess, would be the question. Obviously, I'm sure they would love to win AHL championships, but there's a lot more proximity to the NHL and developing NHL players there. It, are are we going to see something different with Schneekloth there? What What is it going to look like as the Avs try to balance this development of especially the number of forward prospects they have coming through that system right now? It's probably a topic we're going to dive deeper into, not only on this pod, but later down the line, how the organization has moved to marry the interests of the Corrado Avalanche to the Eagles more closely to benefit the Avs in a way that still doesn't harm the Eagles. Sure. And I think this starts with Kevin McDonald coming okay. in as the AGM for Avs, GM yep. for Eagles. Craig Billington, the way that he operated 
was very much on that community level. He was very invested in the Eagles, uh, but I wonder if it was so Eagle-centric that Kevin McDonald has a more bird's eye view of the entirety of the organization and is seeking to make changes and bring about players that are going to help the Avs as well as the Eagles, young players to develop. Because we've talked about it before. The inconsistencies last season with so many injuries harmed player development because Oscar Lawson did yeah. not have consistent line mates. It was just mates. chaos. <laughs> it was just chaos. And so you still need to have good, consistent personnel down in Eagles, the players, you know, the veteran presence, the experience. You still need those things to help develop your players. Mm-hmm. But I think that with some of these changes, with Kevin McDonald kind of being one of them and then Schneekloff being another, there's going to be, I think, a new look just in terms of the identity of the Eagles, not the effort or expectation that is demanded of the players necessarily but the nhl readiness being an emphasis on everyone because what we saw last season is it can get pretty deep in terms of call-ups and who is next man up and i think they are trying to better prepare everyone on an eagles roster to suit what the avs need them to be should a call-up be necessary and i think that's going to show in how they play hockey i think there are going to be Uh, players with a greater emphasis on third and fourth line habits even if they play a top six role because that is what is realistically going to happen with a lot of these call-ups similarly with players like Sam Malinsky I think there's going to be an emphasis on defensive responsibility though we'd like to see the offensive side of his game flourish and I think it will at the AHL level I think he'll have plenty of opportunity to run their power play if he's going to see time with the Avs there's a lot of responsibility that he is going to have to take on as well. Yeah, I, how many times have we seen a, a player get called up in, into the NHL for the Avs make a defensive mistake and that dude gets six minutes and he's back to the AHL real quick. So oh, yeah. Would definitely make a lot of sense to push for things like that as an, an AHL squad. And I did want to talk about Schneekloth a little bit more. It, this is not a guy who's a stranger to developing NHL talent. Even when he was with the Eagles in the ECHL, he coached guys like Malosh, like Bodan, who like uh, even Alex Belzeal. All guys, you know, they're not NHL stars or anything, but these are guys who have gotten into NHL games, had some level of an NHL career that have played under Sneekloss. So <laughs> there's certainly both sides of this with him. He understands how to win at a professional level, even if it is ECHL. And he understands what players of that caliber might need to take the next steps. You talk to him. What do you think of of that spectrum? How effective can he be, especially when it comes following a Greg Cronin? I think that, and I want to, at the end of this, give Schneekloff his own individual credit for the role he plays in this. Definitely. But something that he talks about a lot is how much he learned from Greg Cronin. And starting there... One of my favorite quotes from last night was about Greg Cronin. And he talked about how one of the biggest takeaways was one, just the experience of working with a coach like Cronin who has coached at so many different levels as an assistant in the NHL before, the NCAA level, and then of course the American League head coach level. That's a lot of experience with players of all ages and at different stages in their development. So that is already a helpful tool. But then he described the way in which Cronin would dig into a player's soul to get to know them on and off the ice to see what they're capable of and how he can bring that out of them. And this is something we've talked about with Cronin before, but hearing Schneekloth say that affirmed that this is something he saw value in, the teaching side of it, and he had a hand too in helping the defenseman one-on-one, Schneekloth that is. And so he was very much playing the role of teacher as well throughout this entire time as the Eagles as an American League team have gradually seen more and more success I think that's where I'm pinning the expectation too is though I don't know if they're staring down a Calder Cup championship anytime soon I think that they want to push for better than they were last year and the year before and I think that's a reasonable expectation because they've been trending in this way and Schneekloth then individually talked about being himself being authentic and using that as a way to communicate with young players and this is something that 
I've seen in real time, he does do very well. He's already done it very well with some of the young defensemen, Sam Alinsky and Wyatt Amit being two, I think, of that came fresh yeah. from college, worked with Schneekloff directly, and made that transition, Malinsky more so, so seamlessly. And that comes about from Schneekloff being such a helpful tool. Malinsky talked about how helpful Schneekloff was one-on-one in getting him prepared for pro games. And I think that's what helped to make that transition a little bit more seamless for him. And this is a quality that he's now going to bring to the entirety of the Eagles group. I think it's it's interesting, especially... I imagine with someone like Malinsky, it's probably a little bit easier. That's a guy who's a little bit older, has has been through the college ranks and things like that. But you're also talking about someone who is taking care uh, taking care of maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but as a head coach for 20-year-old kids, in, in some cases for European kids, 18, 19-year-old kids in the AHL, that, yes, he needs to help them with the on-ice hockey stuff. Obviously, that's his job. But also, there's a certain level of these kids are still learning how to be adults. And yeah. <laughs> I, yes. So it, it, it is interesting where probably not quite to the level of ECHL coach where Ben Norris talked about this too. It's like, yeah, down there you wear every hat in the organization. But yeah. there is a certain level of needing to understand who the player is as a person beyond just hockey. I certainly sounds like Cronin was good at it. Certainly seems like Schneekloth as an assistant was good at it. So a key factor in development for the abs to watch probably uh, with Schneekloth. Uh, we do have uh, the video of you interviewing him where he says a handful of interesting things about some guys who could, uh, could be taking those next steps. Tiff, if you want to roll the beautiful bean footage. You described a culture that's existed from the time you were a player that is true to well, we talked about the energy that our building provides, right? And we want to put a product on the ice that's going to energize our fans. So we want to be fast. We want to be physical. We don't want to be a team that's pushed around. We want to be a team that's always tough to play against and is going to play hard regardless of the score. And so I feel we have a lot of those players that fit those qualities and our, our fans are going to be proud of our team this season. But in losing some of your high-octane offense in Charles Houdon and Maltzev, who are you really looking to take a big step and contribute production this year? Well, I think uh, some of the players that, you know, we've talked about that we'd like to see them take that next step in their offensive productivity would be uh, Jean-Luc Fruity, Oscar Olison, and then the new players that we've got coming in are going to handle some of that um, some of that weight as well with, with Kiro from Texas and then uh, Tufty and Lawson. Like, um, so those are the players. You know, Cal Burke has continued to increase his production every single year. And then I think we're pretty solid on the back end if we have, uh, you know, potentially Brad Hunter lineup or Jack Kahn. And, um, so Sam Malinsky to build off his early uh, pro career start. Um, so it'll be a community balanced offensive team. Uh, but those are the guys that we'd like to see probably take that next step. In looking at the back end, you mentioned that Brandon is going to transition into working with the defense team more closely. What does he bring to that role that's going to be especially helpful for those young players? Yeah, well, it's, Tim was a defenseman throughout his career. He's a former draft pick. He's played a lot of games in the American League. He's coached a lot of seasons, got a lot of experience working with forwards and he, So he's going to put an identity on them that I think the fans will enjoy and then they'll be proud of as well. And then in looking at the additions from this offseason, it feels a little different from years before when the Dylan Sakuras and the Kiefer Sherwoods were targeted. Charles Sudan comes on this last year. Is there a different approach into the type of team that you're building going into this season? Maybe something that you're looking to strengthen? Well, I think one thing that um, I think management have looked at and we've talked a little bit about is just making sure the players that, that we have are aligned with how the Avalanche want to play and they're going to fit that mold. I'm not saying those players in the past didn't. I mean, we loved having those players. They put up great numbers. They had, you know, career seasons and, and some of them worked their way to other NHL clubs. But uh, some of the guys they, they brought in are going to have fresh starts here. Uh, with our team and, and a good um, opportunity to create some traction with the Avalanche. So uh, a handful of names that he touched on there that I want to get into before we get into the more overarching conversation. Foodie and Olausen, we kind of already know. They've been in the Avs organization for a little while now. Foodie, I think there's probably some expectations of call-ups this year. Olausen, we'll see. 
But then he adds on guys they added this season in Olafson and Tufty. Realistically, are they preparing those two guys to be NHL tweeners as much as Eagles players right now? It's hard to say in that I've heard both of those names spoken about with relation to the Avs roster. Right. Like from Chris McFarland and how he talked about Olafson. It's definitely a possibility and kind of seems like why they were interested to get him specifically this offseason. And so I think you're absolutely right that they are trying to prime them to be Avs ready players should they be called up and utilized for a handful of games. I think we saw with Anton Bleed the types of players that earned more trust in their call ups with Bednar were the types of players that were going to have an impact shift by shift. Yep. The high skill upside of the Charles Houdon type players score goals at the American League level and win games for the Eagles, but how does that help players like Sampo Ranta? And yeah. how does that help the Avs in a call-up experience? You know, if a player like Charles Houdon struggles to have that skill set translate at the NHL level immediately, yep. and to a degree, I don't necessarily fault him. I didn't think Charles Houdon specifically in his call was fine. looked yeah. bad. I just think they're looking for a more applicable skill set that is going to help have a greater impact call-up by call-up. And that might be then the more physical side of the game, the blue-collar things that they're looking for from their players. And looking at Olafson specifically and seeing him get in some of his first NHL games, 28 NHL games last year is a healthy amount to get yep. in your first season as an NHL player, and then to appear in the playoffs as the next man up yep. for Dallas is a huge testament to what he's shown at the NHL level already. I think that they're willing to hedge their bets a little bit that this is someone who has more upside than Anton Bleed, but will also satisfy some of the things that they needed from their players being called up for a depth role. And spoiler alert, small for your McFarland interview. I think the word he uses with Olofsson is versatility. Yes. And when you talk about guys like Houdon, I think that's what's a little bit lacking there. If you put him in the right role, sure, he can succeed offensively and create that way, but if you ask him to play a fourth-line grinder role, eh, you know, it doesn't really function the way you'd like it to. So seeing someone who can find a bit of a middle ground there, I imagine would be the goal with someone like an Olofsson, maybe a Tufty as well. And honestly, something that they would probably like to get more out of from a Foodie or an Olausen too. Foodie has some size limitations there, obviously, but a guy that they would probably love to play wing and center going forward if they can get that out of him. So I development is hard. <laughs> so I don't want to put too many expectations on anyone at any given time because you just never know when a player is going to take a next step or if they run into a problem or anything like that. But I am encouraged by what I've seen from this event that it sounds like the Avs and Eagles focus is shifting a little bit more towards that development side. Well, I'm, I'm hearing Schneekloff say when asked, who do you look to to contribute production? He described a community build yeah. contribution. This is not just within their forward group that they're looking to, but also within their decor. And hearing that makes me feel affirmed that they're looking for more balance in how players can contribute. And so like I mentioned a second ago with Charles Sudan scoring, how does that help Samparanta? It's because I, I do wonder if this gives more opportunity for players like Oscar Lawson and John Luke Foodie to continue showing out at the American League level, but also allow others to step into that as well. Because I think with the high skill upside that came about with players like Maltsev and yeah, Hudon yep. and previously Sherwood and Sakura, that took away opportunity from other players to have that kind of impact. And now there is no reason for them not to. So there's definitely a lot of pressure that's being put on Oscar Olausen specifically. But fair enough. <laughs> and you look at the departures, there's a lot of room for many people to step in. Yep. Alex Galchenyuk was one of the leading point getters for the Eagles. Yeah. That's, That's another departure. Now. Yeah. Exactly. So now you're looking at Hudon and Maltsev. Galchenyuk, is Brad Hunt going to be with the Eagles? <laughs> there are a lot of ways in which players can step up. And this, I think, is a necessary part on the development side of things 
to push players like those Lawson. opportunities have to be given. Yeah. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that, and I'm excited to see what comes of it. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but first we are brought to you by the American Raptors. Uh, you can get out to Infinity Park in Glendale, not right now, but you can get your tickets right now for the weekend of the 25th through the 27th. The 2023 Rugby Town Sevens Tournament is taking place over at Infinity Park. It'll be 20 teams from all over the world competing for $10,000 in prize money. You'll have the U.S. Army, Marines, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard all competing there, as well as a bunch of other awesome teams uh, for the U.S. Armed Forces Championship. So they've got that going on Saturday afternoon. The full tournament has uh, 62 different teams or matches, excuse me, over the course of three days. So it's all you can eat rugby. Basically, you can't go wrong. Tickets are just 10 bucks a day. You can get the whole weekend pass for 20 bucks. Kids 12 and under get in for free. And it's just a great day to go out on the town. You can go catch some rugby at Infinity Park. You can go hang out. So the whole combines collection it's not like a score i don't know what to call it the arena the building everything out there's a vibe they got a super awesome arcade for the kids whatever you want it's just a good time if you haven't been out there you got to go check out infinity park also be sure to follow colton strickler and the dnvr rugby account on twitter he does a rugby podcast that has everyone covered from 101 shows if you're new or talking to literally every person you've ever heard of in the rugby scene. It's incredible how many people he gets. He, he talks to everybody. Uh, go check him out. If you haven't, the Rugby Down 7 tickets start at just $10. You can get them at AmericanRaptors.com today. And I'm going to throw this one over to Megan because she's the DU girl here. But uh, Snarfs, Snarf sandwiches. I I didn't have the experience of eating these all the time in college. So what what's it like? It's... <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> From the bread to the toppings, just get everything on it each time. No matter what type of sandwich you like, you're a turkey person, a roast beef person, just get all of the toppings. Because it includes things like the little banana peppers, and I think they do oil, vinegar, a little bit of mayo. Yep. It is the perfect combination. The bread is toasted. It's not too much bread. The ratio of bread to sandwich is perfect. And you can get extremely large sizes. I don't remember what the largest size is actually called, but it is humongous and probably should be broken into two meals, but only if you're a quitter. <laughs> My only beef with them, too, is after games, they would close compared to the time like when the um, DU games would end, so yep. I wasn't always able to go after games, so I had to plan around that a little Got bit. Your, so get your dinner early. They, I don't know if they've expanded their hours, but that would be my one request. <laughs> Well, look, make sure you get it on it while they're still open. Then, look, she already mentioned the bread. They're amazing quality sandwiches top to bottom. You saw me eating the hot dog bacon sandwich the other day. Which that was real or made just for you. I, either way, I want another one. It's real. It's real, but it should be called the Rudo. <laughs> well, call them up. We'll get it named. We'll figure it out. Uh, absolutely delicious stuff at Snarfs. You can't go wrong. You can get, download their Snarfs app for online ordering and delivery today. You can also join their rewards and receive a special welcome of $5 off an order and of any order, $10 or more. And there's a bunch of members-only offers. You can get birthday gifts, referral points, all sorts of cool stuff. If you're not sure about them, we'll have them at our Broncos tailgates. So come down to the Broncos tailgates. Ask for the Rudo as the... <laughs> The hot dog bacon sandwich. Or, you know, you could get a normal sandwich, too. I'm not going to blame you if, if that's not your style. Either way, Snarfs will deliver. Uh, second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. All right, I, I got to do this. I feel like I've been extremely dismissive over this offseason of goaltending and Eustace Ananen. And that's not because I don't like Ananen, but just because we've done a lot of lists where it's like, all right, these are the best skaters in the Avs organization. Goaltenders are their own thing. Let's talk about the goaltenders. Let's talk about Eustace Anton. Let's talk about his future. The AHL is a weird place for goalies because you exist in a world where this is a position where there are two spots on any given team. You have a starting goalie and a backup goalie. And in the AHL, one of those guys could be called to the NHL at any given time. How do you balance giving a prospect enough games in the AHL versus having him ready for an NHL call-up, making sure the AHL team can live without him. You target goaltenders who show that they can be a starter in their own right to work alongside that other goaltender. And that's what they've done 
the last couple of seasons, especially last year, like getting Jonas Johansson in Loveland was so helpful to Eustace to balance the workload. I think people see that the games were more or less split and fear that that took away from Eustace being the starter, but he still is the starter in Loveland. Yep. And there was some trust, though, in a player like Jonas Johansson in a pinch if they needed to call him up for the apps yep. because of the NHL experience that he's accrued. And so I think last season created a little bit of panic in the eyes of his development because of how the workload was split in that way. And there wasn't a huge step forward if you just look at the numbers side of things. Sure. Though it was still a bit better than the year before. I agree. I think within the context of last season, given that there were 53 different players. <laughs> they cycled were icing in ECHL defense in front of them. All <laughs> different skill levels. Yeah. And there is something to be said for the volume of shots that he would face in a given night because the American League is like the Wild West sometimes. The yep. way those games get played is very different from hockey at the NHL level. Defensive structure is more of a suggestion. It's more of a suggestion. <laughs> there's a lot of special teams play, and so there's not a lot of five-on-five -five hockey where you're even seeing that yep. being played ordinarily. And so there are a lot of unpredictable things, which I know it's a goalie's job to try and predict these things, that make the American League level hard. And he still hovered in the top ten goaltender yeah. list around the league for a reason and it is because he still did improve from one year to the next got more comfortable with north american ice and then the pace of the game and the way in which it moves a lot more quickly and so i still think he's trending in the right direction i also think the trajectory for goaltenders is a longer path than other positions and Definitely. so he is still very young for a goaltender and Continuing to work with Peter Budai is something that I think will only benefit him because the switch from Ryan Buck to Peter Budai happened so early into his first North American season yeah. that there was a little bit of a transition. And Eustace talked about how he really liked working with Peter Budai because his proximity to the National Hockey League was relatively recent. Sure. And so his approach to the game was very modern, More modern yeah. and the way that he would communicate with Eustace was very effective and so all of these things work together to help get him more comfortable and so that's my takeaway from last season is Eustace looked more comfortable and confident and those are absolutely things you need your goaltender to be feeling. I think it is interesting with Budai and Anandin specifically too Budai's a guy who came over from Europe right you can have a similar say hey I know what you're going through adjusting to North America at playing hockey like this. So I, I do find that super interesting. With Anandin specifically, look, the timeline is very apparent to people. Pavel Frantzos is on the last year of his contract. Do you think he can be ready by the start of the 2024 season to be a potential backup in the NHL? Those are really big shoes to fill. They are. Frantzos argue, you can make an argument as the best backup goaltender in the league, I think. Well, and that's why I think when the extension happened, last last spring there were rumors of him being eyed for a starting position elsewhere because yep. there's that much belief that he could be a starter somewhere else yep. i think that knowing that's how the avs have sort of constructed their current tandem then being with georgiev definitely the starter but franco's a very capable 1b that's why i wouldn't say eustace is ready to step into that role just because of how the avs have defined it in another sure. team, I think that you could talk about NHL readiness as a backup. As a true backup. Certainly. But within the Avs specifically and how they have tried to cost-effectively structure their goalie tandem for the Avs, yeah. I am not there yet with Eustace. And it's just because okay. Francois leaves very big shoes to fill. Yeah. I, I mean, no argument there. Uh, you already mentioned the. this isn't like – anything negative on use it's, it's just the reality of goaltenders having a longer path to the nhl and, and a development cycle that works in that way look at logan thompson yeah and the a perfect example path to the nhl was a winding one and required him spending some time at each level and getting excellent there first before making the leap so if eustace has a terrific next year this conversation could change entirely that's uh, that's the magic of goaltending. It can it can turn quickly. <laughs> Just what you want in a goaltender. <laughs>
I mean, I think com- consistency is part of that conversation with Anand and last year. He was more consistent, and, and that's one of the positives to take away from it. Uh, two things here. I, you can either talk about Holm first, or we can go to the, the Bach interview, whichever you want. But the Abs did bring in Arvid Holm to be backup tandem with Anand. I think we're calling it tandem, okay. but not in a way that should give anybody panic. This is what they did last season with Johansson slash Keith Kincaid. Eustace still had more starts than the others and was given kind of the first nod. If there was a series of games, he sure. would play the majority of them. And so with Arvid Holm specifically being a young goaltender, I think that there's a little bit more uncertainty that teases at possible call-up potential there that hasn't yep. been fully realized. And I think because he is relatively new to the American League level, I want to say he's waiver-exempt, and this I no longer so, creates yeah. the problem that Jonas Johansson created right. for the Avs. Should he be someone that they eye for a call-up? So I think there are a lot of benefits to targeting a player like Holm, who in the AHL last season had a good regular season. A 9-11 save percentage is good. Solid. At the American yeah. League level, especially where we just described how different the game <laughs> is, that is a pretty solid year to have then. And so... I think for those reasons I just mentioned, Arvid Holm makes a lot of sense and moves a slightly different direction from Johansson and Kincaid, but still in a way that balances Eustace's workload, isn't completely giving up on his path, but also introduces a a young-ish goaltender prospect in Holm. All right, let's let's roll the footage, see what the Eagles had to say about uh, their goaltending. I want to talk to you a little bit about goaltending as well. Well, he's obviously a, a player and a professional that's played and had a tremendous career. But I think what makes Peter such a good coach is his ability to communicate. And I think that's such an important part for goaltending is, you know, there's going to be highs and obviously there's going to be lows, but it's finding that medium of being able to just let it go and, and move on to whether it's good habits in practice. When something's not working, Peter's uh, done a good job with these young goaltenders. And I think, you know, you can see it in a, a goaltender like Annan's game, the confident and the steps and progress that he's made. And it and it starts with the goaltender coach. And I wanted to ask you about this. I know last year the context of all the injuries made things especially difficult. How did you feel about the year that you had and the direction that it's going? You know, I think he's progressed. He's making those steps. He's still a young goaltender at, you know, age 22. And I think that's one of the things at the pro level. You come over from him being used to the European style, a bigger ice surface. So there were some adjustments that needed to be there, uh, made there with this game. But the biggest part, I think, is the, you know, the consistency part of the game. Now, all of a sudden, you're in a 72-game schedule where you relied on a little more heavily uh, on a consistent basis because you're playing so many more games, which I think overall he's been able to adapt. And, you know, he's played his first NHL game last year. And obviously I think that's his goal. He wants to, to play in the National Hockey League, but he's doing all the right things. He's a pro down here. He works extremely hard and he wants to get better each and every day. You know, I, I know bits and parts of, you know, his, his background and where he's played, but from what I understand and, and know is uh, we're going to have a, a very good tandem with him and uh, Eustace here uh, for our club here in, in Colorado. Um, uh, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but I'm going there anyway. The talk of Peter Budai and, and in my head, Brian Wilsey also came to my uh, head, I guess. An era of avalanche hockey that I think many people consider lost from 2008-ish to 2015, 16, 17, depending on how you feel about the worst year of all time. Because <laughs> that's terrible, but it led to Kale McCarr, so things turned out okay. But the Avs have kind of farmed that era of hockey for assistant coaches, for development coaches, for things behind the scenes that you don't really see that much of as a fan it was just a little bit surprising to me how important that has become for Colorado. You obviously already talked about Budai and all the, all the positive impact he's had on Ananin, but this is something that will continue to go forward as well for an organization like the Eagles. Where, I guess, where do expectations come in for 
this version of the Eagles, the one with not just Schneekloth uh, as the head coach, but Budai as a development coach. Uh, you talked about the, the front office as well, whether it be McFarland as the overarching or down the way. Do they need to start having more success-producing players? And how, I guess, what is the timeline here? If they fail to produce much over the next three, four, five years, do the Avs need to reshuffle it again? What are they looking at? It's tough because of all the different personnel that make up development to really pinpoint when to start the clock and begin getting concerned. Because I even look at the change in the director of amateur scouting in Wade Klippenstein. And so that starts the clock at Sean Barron's and Oscar Lawson forward. And that's not to say abandon all responsibility and culpability (laughs) for the Alan Heppel era. Let's just forget it happened because there are still players that we're looking to from there, though that list is dwindling, actually. It's it's running out quick. (laughs) Um, And so it's interesting to reflect on, honestly, the Cow and the Ranta and Bowers yeah. era is what I think people look to, though, when they feel a lot of disappointment in development. Definitely. And I don't think that's misplaced. But the clock, I would say, starts last year. Okay. Because that is someone like Oscar Lawson's first full pro season. Yep. And unfortunately, last year was a horrific yeah, season for the entire mad, organization. Yeah, it was rough, yeah. And that's why my plea is to give maybe like two more years time okay. before we hit the panic button on what a foodie or an Lawson turn into specifically. Eustace because of it being goaltending. Sure. Also, maybe he's granted some allowances. But... Sam Borenta leaving for Sweden is something that I hope the organization reflects on because Sam Borenta should have still had a path forward in Colorado. There, yeah. there, there should be a little bit more of an explanation why that just didn't quite work out at this present time. And so this isn't to absolve the Avalanche organization of any guilt when it comes to developing prospects, but I think that there are some things to take into consideration too. Like I've seen people really tell high praises for the pro scouting department. Mm-hmm. And I think that these are just two really different beasts because one is evaluating a body of work at the NHL level and seeing who's a good stylistic fit there. And the other is a little bit of future telling. Yeah, it's and a lot harder. To it's really to hard to do. And again, that's why this is an entire department, though, dedicated to doing yeah, this. Exactly. And they need to have some level of success in doing this. Yep. And so... This is where this next year becomes especially important because there are a lot of changes, not just in relatively new Wade Klippenstein, like, okay, can Sean Barron's come over and make the leap? Is he what we had hoped hoped he would be eventually? And then how are these college free agents? This is where the amateur scouting department really comes into play because they weren't necessarily drafted within the organization, but they are being scouted in that way as yeah, prospects. There's even still though, no pro play there. Exactly. Yeah. Even though some of them are on maybe the older side for a conventional prospect. How Malinsky develops next year if he gets in NHL games and doesn't look half bad will be a huge boon in the Avs cap. And then yeah. the other will be if, like Andre Pavel is an interesting one because mm-hmm. – We talked about maybe the kind of different direction they're going and the types of players they're targeting, and I think he's a perfect example of this. I don't know if the NHL readiness is there for me to begin having that conversation, but I think that's the intent with Pavel. And so how he adjusts to a full season of American League play and if he can have an impact with the Eagles, there's plenty of opportunity for him to do so, could make a case for some of these college free agents turning out the other being Matt Steinberg, not a free agent, but a draft pick. If he does in August 15th, the abs, <laughs> yep. there are qualities to his game that would fit so nicely with the abs. But there are also some things that need to come to fruition at the American League level first. Yep. I might have trailed off a little bit in answering that question. I, <laughs> That's I what happens on the, the show. I <laughs> think the conversation around development and if we should be disappointed in it or not is just so nuanced. I don't want to lazily bulldoze through it yep. because I still think that there are 
areas of success and some of it isn't homegrown development which stinks but looking at Andreas Englund and Mm -hmm. Ryan Graves being players that were made better having spent time in Loveland is why I don't want to fully say this has been a failure that there are things that are going well it's just some more time is needed to see if a third round foodie can be something that would be a huge win for the abs and then i think part of what you're kind of digging at here is i think you could argue the abs defensive development has been successful and a big part of that is aaron schneekloth being the defensive coach at the colorado eagles connor timmons health permitting (laughs) would have been a success story yeah did you look at how well he played in toronto when he was healthy this last season it there's a lot of positives to take there. And one of the big questions for Schneekloth now is as a head coach, can he take that and apply that to the forward core a little bit? Yeah. We'll see is, is the ultimate answer because we're not any better than the Avs scouting at seeing the future. So look, I'm trying. <laughs> if you got a crystal ball, you yeah. let me know. Uh, on that note, when you're looking into the future, make sure you're wearing your shady rays because sometimes the future is quite bright. Uh, you can go to ShadyRays.com today to get your sunglasses. When you use code DNVR and get two sunglasses or more, you get 50% off your entire order. They have dozens of different styles and shapes and polarizations and colors. And uh, Look, I'm not a big fashion person, but they have something that youth will think is cool because they, I even found something that I think is cool. So that's hard to do. Just saying. Uh, you can go again to ShadyRays.com. They've been rated five stars by over 250,000 people. If you're local, they also have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall. Uh, and yeah, they're they're great at what they do. Use the DNVR code. Get yourself some sunglasses today. Secondly, we are brought to you by someone that... Oh, oh right, right, right. If you've been injured, <laughs> dial 222-2222 today. Uh, look... There are unfortunately a lot of ways to get injured in the world, uh, and a lot of them are not your own fault. I've, if you're my dog, you're running around the neighborhood terrified that the roofers are going to drop stuff on you. So, seems like a valid fear. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe avoid the roofers. But if something does happen, Bacchus and Shanker has your back. If you've been injured in a car accident downtown, and someone hit you on a scooter. Whatever happens, even if it's like a rideshare situation or you were injured at work, you name it. Boxes and Shanker has your back. You can call them at the two number or go to coloradolaw.net. They'll give you a free consultation no matter what your case is. And if they think you can win, they will take it on for completely free. You pay these guys nothing until you win your case. You don't have to have any money saved up. They just want to get you what you deserve done a lot of getting people what they deserve too. They've been doing it for over 25 years. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients in that time. That's a billion with a B. That's a lot of dollars. Uh, that's nine zeros with a number on the end of it. I, it's kind of an unfathomable amount of money. Anyway, call the two number, get Bacchus and Shanker on your side today and get what you deserve. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Let's do this one in reverse. Let's play the McFarland video first. Love it. And then we'll talk about what he had to say. This is me buying time for this video. All right, perfect. What did it mean to be able to continue growing within this organization? What do you think you can bring as a head coach to the That's a good question, Megan. I think, you know, with any time you have, you know, with your development team, the the personnel there, whether it's a trainer, equipment, or coaches, and, and the players, you know, they want to get to the National Hockey League. And and for Aaron to to be patient and to grind away like he did as a player, you know, the last number of years he's been an important part here for many, many years. But to see him, um, you know, us to get to know him over the last number of years and, and when Crow got the job, we were thrilled for Crow, but uh, we, we felt really happy and, and, and content that we had the right guy right here in-house. So it was a it was an easy choice at the end of the day. And looking at some opposition, someone like Frederick Olofsson might be a fringe player that is straddling an opportunity at both clubs. What targeted, what made you target that player specifically? Well, I think with, with Frederick Olofsson, it, it's a combination of things. I think he's he fits our identity with how we like to play. There's some versatility there in that he can play wing and center. 
Uh, we saw him obviously play a lot. You know, Texas is a team that, that plays uh, the Eagles, but we, you know, we had very good NHL reports on him as well. We watched him uh, very close in the Vegas series when he played in the, in the NHL playoffs, and he's a guy that's gonna that's gonna push to make our team. So we're very excited to add him, and you know, and some of the other guys, Riley Tufty and, and Chris Wagner, who unfortunately got got hurt. Um, in early July, but we'll, we'll uh, hopefully have very good veteran guys here as, as we always have. We'll get more information on that in the, in the weeks ahead. He's still he's still rehabbing, but you know hopefully we'll 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 see him in, in September. Yeah, those are those were good hockey players for the Eagles, and, and we lost a chunk of goals. But I think we want we're going to be looking for some internal improvement from guys like Oscar Olafson, uh, Foodie, hopefully, and and some of the college guys that we brought in will hopefully now be acclimated. Guys like Jason Poland and and some of our kids like Matthew Steinberg. Hopefully, we'll we'll be able to get something done there and. And just see a lot of internal growth, and, and coupled with some of the veterans we brought in, we think we'll have a good team. And these will be my last two. With Steinberg, you mentioned you were working on something. Yep. Is that still in the works? I know I talked to him at the end of last season. Which is, oh, yeah. Uh, yes, we've had good good chats. Obviously, he's an August fifteenth guy, but you know, I think I think the everything is is trending in the in the right direction. Hopefully. And then the last one is Andre Pavel. He's another player that was targeted for that Yep. Well, Andre is, a, is different than some of the other guys. I think Andre's game, he's not going to be flashy offensively. He's hes a sturdy, checking-type player. He's going to probably be a guy that is thrown over the boards for penalty kill, uh, to protect leads, to block shots. And uh, he's a guy that we you know has a motor. He, you know what you're going to get from him every night. And he's a type of player that I think will earn trust quickly with with uh, coaching staff, so, uh, but I don't think we're, you know, you're going to see, uh, you know, high octane offense, but that's okay. It takes all different types uh, of things to have a good sauce, and I think, you know, Andre's a, a hard-working player that's going to endear himself to both the coaches and our fans wherever he plays. So a lot of ground, a lot of players covered there. Uh, let's start with Steinberg. I know you already mentioned him already. Still kind of up in the air, it seems like. <laughs> I, I already found it odd at the end of last year why it was an ATO and he just didn't Just sign, sign. and be done with it, yeah. Right. And I actually, I asked him about it at the end of last year and he answered it with the same vague clarity that we just got as well. <laughs> but seeing him at dev camp and knowing that he already has the built-in connection with Malinsky. Yeah, right. I don't think we should hit the panic button entirely, but it is curious that it has gone on this long without it getting done. And it, it's it, like, and also like power to players that, you know. Know your worth, it, King. Yeah, exactly. And also, and this is no offense to Steinberg, I would love to know if he has other offers on the table. Like, I, he's had a decent NCAA career, but it's not anything like mind-blowing. No, and this isn't just even to slight Cornell generally, but when you look at the programs, that attract a lot of attention. Now, I actually wonder, too, if Molinsky and the spotlight that was put on him as one of the highly coveted free agents put a greater spotlight on Steinberg, Maybe. and a lot yeah. of teams were then just watching Cornell more closely fair point. because of this reason and grew to like Steinberg's game. Because there are things to like that you can't oh, yeah, necessarily sure. teach players. They either do it or they don't. And he plays with a little bit of grit and edge that I would describe as like a honey badger quality, <laughs> at least at the collegiate level, yeah, that definitely. would entice teams, certainly. So he, he can, at least at the NCAA level, kill penalties. There are reasons to be intrigued by Matt Steinberg, but as someone who covers the Avs, I'm intrigued by Matt Steinberg, and I'd like for him to be here. <laughs> Go ahead and sign that contract. Uh, yeah, they, I, and I do think it'll be interesting, you know, McFarland directly mentioning what you were talking about, and there should be internal opportunity for some of these guys to 
not just improve, but to fill important roles for the Eagles and start taking those next steps towards an NHL call-up or potentially an NHL full-time job. Uh, I don't know if there's real opportunity, barring injury, for a full-time NHL job this year, but stepping through to 2024, there should be some opportunity. Yeah, I think that's what, for Steinberg, Yeah, I think that's what's tough, too, is we're in a similar room, like with Bocage and how the skating could stand to take a step forward with yeah. Steinberg, and that's something that you want to see at the American League level first really improve, because... Mm-hmm that's very important for the way that the Avs like to play. And that has been a recurring theme in everything that I've learned from yesterday (laughs) is an emphasis on getting players prepared to play the way the Avs would like to play and targeting players that can play the way the Avs would like them to play. I think Cyborg still fits that, but not immediately. There's some work to be done to get there. And, And there's something to be said. The Avs like to play a certain way. They like a certain type of archetype of player. That doesn't mean you can forego everything else. You do need some variability, some differences there. You can't have 12 Jean-Luc Foodies. That's not going to make a good hockey team. So This is why I'm excited about Tufty. I feel like he's different from other players I've seen the Eagles slash Avs target in the mm-hmm. offseason. He brings about undeniable physicality that... Yeah is going to be really interesting to see if he is given any NHL opportunity. I think that's going to bring about a very different call-up experience <laughs> for the Avs. I think they are getting a quality that we have not seen from any of the call-ups previously yep. because though he is brutish, there is still skill upside. Like There is still the possibility of some offense that could be generated from him. I don't know if you've been following the beauty league. Uh, only feel, when Ben Meyer scores. I feel That's silly only. saying that. It's a, it's a weird name. He, <laughs> I mean, and so there is some context to put here with the beauty league, but he beat Malinsky. I don't know if you saw that play I specifically, that play. but it was incredible from Tufty. <laughs> Malinsky fully out his back turn and it like went between his legs. Oof. It was Dosey Dode. It's worth watching for the Tufty angle. <laughs> Clearly. And then you just look at Malinsky like that was so unserious of you. <laughs> Get it out right now. It's, it's the beauty league. It's three it's on the three. Beauty it's league. Great. <laughs> Great. Exactly. Well, hey, I'll take it. Now I got to go find this highlight clip. It's very fun. I actually clipped it. I was like, should we put it in the show? But I needed to calm down. It is the beauty league. I'm not going to pretend like this is the highlight reel of the century. This is also a league that we've seen a number of AHL players dominate against NHL players. Where Exactly. You can tell who's taking it serious and who's not. The variety in goaltenders is also there. That is true, too. There's a lot of context. But it's still fun, and you should watch it for the Tufty angle. I'm in. I'll have to tweet it later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one other thing I really wanted to touch on from this interview with McFarland is his talk about Olafson. Uh, you were kind of talking about the separation between amateur scouting and pro scouting. He mentioned Olafson is someone they're pro scouting, took a look at at his time in the NHL. Is this kind of the sweet spot of merging these two, ting- two things? We were talking about Olafson as, yes, a potential... 13th or even line up forward for the Avs, but he could also spend time with the Eagles. Yeah. No, absolutely. He he fits, I think, a model of ty- a type of player that they're looking to have moving forward because he's not – he's on the younger side compared yeah. to a Jason Megna and a Jacob McDonald type. Yep. And so that's where there's a little bit more skill upside that you can get hopeful around. But there actually is decent experience under his belt at the pro level. Mm -hmm. And obviously the NHL debut he made in the 28 games was impressive enough too that it's a middle ground of these two things. Because hearing his name mentioned by both Schneekloth and McFarland also suggests he is going to be straddling both of these opportunities. And it's for him to make do with because... In hearing the versatility on wing and as a centerman, we look at the bottom of the Avs lineup and there is opportunity. So it's definitely his to lose. And it's different, though, from the the Jason Magnus. It it would not feel like a defaulting to the veteran type of move, for sure. Yeah. Uh, You know, I'm sure some people would much rather see a foodie or someone get that opportunity, but... As we talked about earlier in the show, 
can John Luke Foodie really replace what someone like an Andrew Cogliano does? You, stylistically, there are some question marks there about how that fits. Right. He needs to get more multidimensional. Mm -hmm. The quality that Cogliano has, but is also like Cogliano's game has transformed from the time he yeah, was a young, definitely. prolific goal scorer to now. And so there's opportunity for Foodie to add more tools to his tool belt. And in looking at last year and hearing Kevin McDonald say, if you can be the best player here, your opportunity will come. And seeing how many players, to include Foodie, who got nine NHL games, did get opportunity, I don't think Frederick Olofsson's opportunity will come at the expense of Foodie's. I think they will both Love have it. opportunity. Love it. Is this... I? You probably don't know the answer to this question, yes. but how much of... of these conversations are McFarland telling McDonald and down the way what's what and how much of this is a back and forth or is it a vertical bottom to top scenario? I, I know you aren't in the front office, obviously, but how do you vibe that out? Is it kind of a everyone gets a say here or it's run from the top? First of all, they should allow me to be in those conversations. <laughs> Secondly, I think it's very collaborative, but maybe not so much th as much as we thought. For example, Cronin would talk to me about players, what he's seeing in them. And then when Cobbs would get made, he gave <laughs> me the impression he was kind of the last to know about it. <laughs> okay. He, he had an idea of who was first in line for these types of things, but he wasn't having that direct communication with Bednar, for sure, example. Sure. They talked. But who was really talking most and is the conduit for these teams is Kevin McDonald. Okay. And so I think that's why he was brought on is that is what he is doing. The intermediary is, type. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so McDonald reports to McFarland what he's seeing in Loveland and McDonald learns from Cronin, Schneeklop, yep. what's going on. And so it is definitely collaborative, but... I think McDonald holds the key to how a lot of these decisions end up getting made. There you go. So Filler's replacement is could be the difference maker for the future of the Eagles Avs connection. It's just a different approach. Yep. Like Biller's approach to things was still it had a lot of positive upsides, but Definitely. I think Kevin McDonald has a broader bigger picture vision yep. for how he wants to address the needs of both. That would be a win all the way around if he accomplishes his goals then. Uh, on that note, we are brought to you by FOCO.com. You can go over there and get your licensed sports merchandise uh, and apparel. Obviously, they have the Avs, Broncos, Nuggets, Rockies, Rapids, what Mammoth. Uh, uh, I don't think they have Eagles gear, unfortunately. Which is but weird. As a yeah, FOCO You would think, company. given that they're called FOCO, that they would have Eagles stuff. But they have... Uh, for the major sports leagues, apparel for pretty much every team in the country. So go check them out. We can use the DNVR code to get 10% off and free shipping off your order. Obviously, they're big selling point on the, the logo there. Bobbleheads, they have tons and tons and tons of bobbleheads that are all amazing. And that we definitely don't keep breaking in the main studio. Don't tell Eric. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't us. It, it was, wasn't us. It was I, Nuggets. Every time I walk kidding. in, I see like another headless bobblehead on the, on the bar. The Nuggets murdered it wasn't the Nuggets. The three-headed monster. Oh, no, God. it's not the three-headed monster. It's Kale, the, Nico, and Nathan. The, yeah, it's, I think it, so. Or is it? No, I think it's Kale. I, uh, either the most recent broken one was the, the goalie all-star one. Wow. On, on that personal. one now. So <laughs> don't be like us. Take care of your bobbleheads when you get them from FOCO. Kyle Freeland is also headless. Right yes, now, yes, so. he is. <laughs> Use the DNVR code to get 10% off. When you order, and if you do break them, at least you get 10% off when you reorder them through foco.com. Uh, all right. I I am pretty good. Anything, anything else you wanted to add on the Eagles or these conversations, Megan? No, I'm looking forward to September and yeah. the rookie tournament. <laughs> yeah, Giving yeah, us yeah. even more clarity on where the prospects stack on a bigger stage with yep. other HL, NHL caliber players. And I'm just excited for the season to start. It's August 10th, so we got a ways to go. Chris but. McFarland, he's like, when September 1 rolls around, <laughs> that's going to feel really different. That's going to feel good. There we go. Can't wait. Can't wait at this point. 
Uh, we are going to get out of here for the day. A reminder, like and subscribe here on YouTube. If you want to listen, we are a podcast as well. You don't have to watch the video. Spotify, Apple Music, all those places. Uh, if you want to give us a five-star review on those, that really helps us a lot. Uh, and August 18th, we will be doing a live show down here at the DNVR bar in the bar. So you can come listen live. If you're local, come say hi. We'll be hanging out afterward to like say hello, have a beer with people too. So come say hi on the 18th. I think 5 p.m. or is it 6 p.m. the live show? I don't remember. It might be 6 p.m. It might be 6. Uh, anyway, just come hang out all day uh, on August 18th at the bar. We'll be, we'll be hanging out. So we appreciate y'all. We hope to see you there. And I guess we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>